getting into my sermon in a little bit and thinking about that. Uh, I'll just share this thought. I never want to come into church like I'm doing God a favor. Here I am, God. Aren't you glad I'm here? No, that's not my attitude. That's not my thought process. That's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking what an honor it is to come in to this place and worship our King. What an honor it is. What a joy it is to worship with my fellow believers in Christ and giving him all the praise and glory and honor. It's our privilege to be in God's presence today. That's my thought process for sure. And looking forward to this week as we are officially celebrating now the Easter week, Passover. I've kind of been preaching a message about the Passover week, but today is officially what we would call Palm Sunday as Jesus is entering in Jerusalem. But this Friday, we will have a Good Friday service at 7 p.m. We will have communion and worship and just a time of encouragement. Uh, We won't be more than 45 minutes unless we want to keep praying and seeking God. You can stay for as long as you like. But we are going to have, I encourage you to be here. It will be a great time just to honor the Lord and that thinking about that Friday night, thinking about all that he went through, thinking about all the pain and agony that he suffered, I think we it would only be right for us to join together and have communion and think about all of those things together and bring your needs. If you know somebody in need of prayer, bring them with you. We're going to be praying as well. And then next Sunday, excited about Easter next Sunday, please invite a friend, bring somebody. I know I've spoken to a lot of people on the phone from our church, especially our, our uh, Horizons group. And they're getting vaccinated, and they plan on coming on Easter. And, and so some people are going to be coming back, and maybe they just need that encouragement uh, from you as well. But say, hey, I can't wait to see you for Easter. I know our worship team is doing some special things uh, for you. They're going to be practicing today, and we look forward to that. So Easter next week at 10 o'clock. And, of course, you can connect online. You can give online, and here you can connect with us if you're to the church, you can pull out a connect card and fill it out and put it in, in our giving boxes. And then, of course, you can give today by putting your tithes or offerings into those giving boxes as well. But I thought these uh, two little stories kind of lined up with what I'm trying to accomplish with this series. So let me let me share this one story. If this story doesn't go well, I think I'll share the second one. But we'll, we'll see. A kindergarten teacher was observing her classroom of children while they were drawing. She would occasionally walk around to see each child's work. She got to one little girl who was drawing diligently, and she asked what the drawing was. The girl replied, I'm drawing God. And she paused and said, but no one knows what God looks like. Without missing a beat or looking up from her drawing, the little girl replied, the yay. The children were lined up in the cafeteria at a Catholic elementary school for lunch. At the head of the table was a large pile of apples. The nun made a note and posted on the apple tray, Take only one. God is watching. Moving further along the lunch line, at the other end of the table was a large pile of chocolate chip cookies. The child had written a, written a note, Take all you want. God is watching the apples. All right. You know, 
be like a child, right? To think like a child, you know, it's so simple, so innocent. And honestly, that's been my goal in studying these these uh, passages of Scripture with you. And I just want to be like a child and just read these stories again and just think about these things and ask questions. You know, I Alexander really never hit that stage where, you know, it was always a question. Maybe your child hit that stage. You're like, Mom, why this? Dad, why this? Why, Dad? Why, why, why? Uh, Alexandra does that a little bit, but she never, I've heard other kids really take it up a notch. But that's a child. They're curious. They want to know why. They want answers. Why Why do I have to wear the same, why do my socks have to match? Let's be different. Why do my shoes have to match? Oh, poor Alexandra. I mean, everything from the head to the toe has to match, right? And, uh, you know, it's just the curiosity of a child. And I pray that we're all that way this morning, that we just want to know more about Jesus. And asking questions is so important. That's a lot of what I'm doing as I study these passages of Scripture. I'm just asking some questions, and I begin to discover some things. So today's reading is in Luke chapter 22. Again, this is the Passover week that we're talking about. And uh, we're reaching the point now of, of Thursday night of where they have, are going to arrest Jesus. But in Luke chapter 22, uh, beginning in verse 47, it says this, But even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached, led by Judas, one of the twelve disciples. Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. Jesus said, Judas, did you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? He brought the swords. One of them struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. Touch the man's ear to heal him. Then Jesus spoke to the leading priests, the captains of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him. Am I some dangerous revolutionary, he asked. You've come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day. But this is your moment, the time when the power of darkness reigns. How did it come to this? How did we get here? How did a baby who nobody had room for, and Mary and Joseph are there, and nobody cares about them, they didn't even care to offer them a room. This baby was born in a manger and has now become this sought-after supposed criminal that a crowd has come. This man who has healed and has fed the thousands, who has cast out demons, who has helped people, has loved people. Now we're reading this portion of Scripture where a crowd has how did we get here? How did Passover week, you know, start off by the crowds cheering Jesus? And as we talked about two weeks ago, how the crowds were declaring, this is the Messiah. This is the Lamb of God. We are choosing Jesus. We know he's our Messiah. We are declaring it. We are worshiping him. We're going to honor him. And now we have a crowd with clubs and swords. How did we get here? And I believe as we look back into the Passover week, 
we can discover the answer. Now let me quickly talk about last week again. Last week we, uh, we had some information given to us. Why? Because the disciples wanted more information. They were hungry. They were thirsty. Jesus gave them one piece of, one glimpse of the future. And that's, then they said, ah, we need more, Lord. I, I want you to give me more information. So last week we were able to study an entire chapter because the disciples were hungering for more of God. And, and like a child today, again, I, I implore you to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to hunger and thirst for more of God. You've probably celebrated, like me, decades of Easter. But how about this time? You really start asking questions of why. What about this? And why did that happen? And then in that process of wanting to know more, I believe God's going to fill you with more. God's going to bless you with more. God's going to give you more. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. But something else was happening here. So that was the positive side, you know, getting more information from God. The positive is that we're hungering for it. But do you know God makes all things work together for His glory? Because as we look back into this Passover week, there was, and, and this, some of the stories I'm going to, one of the stories I'm going to share with you came about because the leaders, the religious leaders that hated Jesus, that wanted to attack Him, were actually asking him questions not to make him look good, but they were asking him questions to trap him. They wanted to prove to everybody else, he's a fraud. I know he healed somebody, but he's not who you need. He's not the Messiah. Who cares? We've had prophets before heal people. He is not our Messiah. So they were out to get him. And just like that scripture that I shared, that God works all things for the good. So in Christ, when somebody came with them with a good desire to learn, he gave more. So those people who had an evil desire, kind of a wicked and evil scheme, Jesus still turned that into good. And we have more scripture verses because Christ took those moments and he used them to teach. He used them. He used them to be a blessing to others. And that's how God builds those things in our life. And I want to tell you this morning, it began with them questioning his authority. They started to question, who, who gave you the right to speak? Who gave you the right to tell us what to do? Who gave you the right to tell you that you're Lord of the Sabbath? And so Jesus, he began to, he, he said, well, I have a question for you. The baptism of John, was it from God? Do you remember that portion of Scripture? And in that moment, these religious leaders, they were caught off guard. Oh, boy. If we say it was of God, then they'll say, well, why weren't you baptized? But we say it was because uh, we didn't like John either. The people will attack us. You could see how Jesus, he knew. He knew what his authority was. The answers that Jesus gave, they never changed. They were always the same. That's how you know when you're following God is that your life isn't, you know, you're growing in Christ and you're learning more. It's not because God is changing. It's because you are changing. Your heart's changing. Your life's being transformed. God is the same. And these religious leaders, they found out that Christ alone 
answers all the questions. He alone answers all of the questions because they kept pressing him. They just—they didn't stop at his authority. They kept asking him questions about marriage and, they, and the, end, the end times and the resurrection. They kept pressing him about taxes. I'm sure we would be that same way too with Christ. What about taxes? Come on, tell us. Relieve us. Come on, we want that answer. Tell us we don't have to do it. But every time Jesus gave the perfect answer, is Christ alone. He knows all the answers to every question. I want to encourage you today, there is no better activity in your daily life than reading the Bible and praying together. In prayer and in your Bible reading time, you will find all the answers you need. Every question that you have, every question that your co-worker will ever have, your neighbor will have, the people in the grocery store will ever have, those questions are always found. The answers to those questions are found in the Bible. We need to be in the Bible. Whatever fear you're going through, the, the comfort can come from God's Word. Whatever temptation that you're facing, the Word of God will provide a way out of those traps. Whatever confusion you have, whatever doubts you have, the Word of God has the answers. I want to encourage you today to stay in the Word of God. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees and these religious leaders, they kept pressing Jesus. Questioning him. And finally, what they, what they realized, the more they pressed him, the more truth came out. And then finally, Jesus, he turns the tables. And I love this, and I'm going to share this portion of Scripture with you, because now Jesus, he says, I've got a question for you. This portion of Scripture is found in Matthew chapter 22, verse 41. And let me read it to you. Matthew 22, 41 through 46. It says, then, surrounded by the Pharisees, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? They replied. He is the son of David. Jesus responded, then why does David, speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit, call the Messiah my Lord? For David said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. Since David called the Messiah my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? No one could answer him. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Jesus silenced him. Shown to you, I've proven to you your way of thinking and your intelligence and your understanding and you, how you've been brought up and all of your history is no more important than what I am declaring to you today. I have declared the truth, and that scripture verse says he was surrounded by the Pharisees because once again everybody was waiting for Jesus to make a mistake. Everybody, there were, not everybody, but many were there waiting for Jesus to, to, to trip up and say the wrong thing, but he never did. He always spoke the truth. We know that when the devil speaks, he can only speak lies because that is his, that is his language. And when Jesus speaks, he can only speak truth. He can only speak 
speak it. And that's all that comes out of his mouth is truth. That is why every day I'm seeking the Lord and I'm listening to him and I'm reading the word because I know everything that comes from Christ is truth. I can build my life on his word. I can build my life through prayer. I can stand strong through the storm. I can stand strong through the trials of life because I have the truth of Jesus Christ. And he shut them up. No one dared to ask him any more questions today. I hope you never dare to live without Jesus. I don't dare anybody here to ever live one day without his word and without prayer. I don't dare you to live and walk in this earth without knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I would never dare anybody to do that because all you're doing is you're opening your life to disappointment, to pain, to sorrow, to doubts and fears, and for there to be no answers for you today. So here was each group they were attacking Christ. They spent, I'm sure, weeks. Now, remember this. This is Passover week. This is the highlight for the Israelites. So everybody that's anybody is in Jerusalem. The crowds are there. This is not a normal week in Jerusalem. Just like the spring breakers are experiencing now in Florida. It's not a normal week in Florida that everything's packed out. Everybody's there. And that's the same thing that's happening in Jerusalem. Everybody's there. The crowds are there and they're surrounding them. And the more they press Jesus, the more he speaks the truth. And the more the truth begins to pierce their hearts. And we know from John's gospel that truth is like a light. And that light is exposing the darkness in them. And that darkness is so deep inside of them. They can't even see it anymore. They can't see that they're in darkness. They're so blinded by their way of life. They're so blinded by their, their thoughts and their ideas and their interpretation of what God was saying. And they had no confirmation from Jesus. And so they reached the point where they feel like they have no other choice but to try to get rid of Jesus. They reached that point. That they realized in that moment... We, we, have no other, we have no other choice here but to take Jesus out. We must murder him. Every time we ask him a question, he has the perfect answer. Every time we complain about his miracles, we point out something that he did wrong. He speaks truth and the people love him more. So all we can do now is try to kill him, try to murder him. Can I tell you today, you cannot eliminate truth. You cannot remove it. You cannot get rid of it. It's not going away. Truth is not going away. You can't write a law to remove it. You can't, you can't get a committee together to figure out how do we deal with this truth. All you can do, and I pray you can live here, is accept it. Accept the truth of the gospel. Accept the truth of Christ in your life. Live by that truth and know that that truth will set you free. And I know there's people out there that says, well, I don't want to live that truth because that truth is binding. Oh, no, this is the only truth that can set a person free. This is the only way that can give you true peace and true joy. And at the end of the days, when we die, when I die, it's the only truth that gives me eternal life. It's the only way. It's the only answer. There are no other answers. 
There are no other truths but the truth of Jesus Christ. Heaven and earth will pass away. Everything you've studied in science, everything you've studied in math, everything you've studied uh, being your career, it's all going away. Except the Word of God. That will remain forever. Doesn't devalue learning. Doesn't devalue going to college. It just gives greater value to studying God's Word every day. It just puts the Word of God above everything. It just puts the Word of God, the first book I'm going to pick up, the first book that I'm going to seek after. And then, yes, all those other books will have meaning for me. You can't eliminate truth. And so here they are in the, in the garden. It's a quiet night. Jesus is praying. He's crying out to the Father. He's seeking Jesus. He's seeking the Father. He's, he's praying. It's a beautiful moment. This time of the day. Disciples are now sleeping. Here comes the crowd. They come. And they're coming to arrest Jesus. Now think about this. Judas is, is there. Now Judas is an interesting character. I believe Judas is somebody to be studied. And I think sometimes we don't study the, uh, the person like Judas because, you know, you don't want to talk about him. You don't want to think about him. How could he betray our Lord and Savior? And, and it's true, you know, I, you know, the disciples don't talk much about him. Remember, these writings took place afterwards. As Luke was writing this down, this was decades after, so they're recalling these stories, but they're writing it down. And uh, So you, it's no wonder, because Judas has been gone from their memories for decades and so we don't have a lot of information of Judas, but what information we do have, I think we should study. I think we should look at. I think we should ask questions. Now, again, this is you know very simple, and I'm definitely open to gaining more information about Judas. But this is what we know about Judas. Number one, he was in charge of the money, so he had a talent. He had an ability to get finances. Otherwise, why would he be in charge of the money? We also know that uh, from John's Gospel, he took money. For himself. He took it for himself. So therefore now he has a problem with money. There's an issue in his life that he has. And that issue is a very deep issue because not only does he is he taking money for himself, but he doesn't even care about people. He doesn't care that money is being taken for him and that the poor are being helped. But one one more important thing that I found out about Judas. Judas was from southern Judah. He's a Judeite. Every one of the other 11 disciples were all from Galilee. Galilee was on the north side of Israel. Judah was, you know, on the south. And these two towns were very different. Ways of living, ways of talking, ways of functioning, two different ways of life. And I found that that was very interesting, and I don't have all the answers to that. But I, I do believe this, that Judas obviously secluded himself went alone to the, to the feast. It was, it was common for him to do things alone. The disciples didn't think any, didn't wonder, you know, they were like, oh, there goes Judas, he's going to do something. But I wanted to make this thought, this application, that as humans, we do not do good feeling alone. Judas was alone. 
And he gave himself the right, and he gave himself the reason, I think, to be a Roman. Nobody understands that. Those guys, they're from the northern side of, of the state, I don't, the country. I don't, they don't understand me. I'm going to go do my thing. They don't, they don't understand money the way I understand money. And I believe Judas obviously began secluding himself. And I just wanted to make that observation that as human beings, we do not do good when we feel alone. When we feel like nobody cares, when nobody's, we think nobody is watching us and, and nobody's there for me. Nobody's there to help me. I'm doing this all alone. I'm here and I'm, I'm raising these kids alone. I'm here and I'm doing this job and I'm the only one doing my, the very best at this job. I'm the only one that's been abused in my life. I'm the only one who's been hurt by other people in my life. You're thinking these things that I'm the only one that people have walked over and walked on and have beat up in life. I'm the only one. We don't do good when we start feeling alone. And I want to just tell you today, and I, and I wanted to tell myself today, I'm not alone. You're not alone. God is here. God loves you. He cares for you. And never think for one moment that you are alone. for you. That's why he sent his son to this earth to die on the cross for our sins so that we can open up our heart and Jesus can come into our life so that we will know I am never alone. I remember as a kid feeling alone. The youngest of my family and older and having older siblings. Not having friends because my church was 45 minutes from where I lived and I didn't hang out with my school friends and I, my church friends was too far away to hang out and I just remember Friday nights, my brother and sister gone and being alone. And in that being alone, I discovered that I was complete in Christ. That I had all that I needed in Jesus. And I wanted you to, to know today that Jesus is all you will ever need. I pray that you will open your heart up to him today. So here's Judas. He walks into the garden. And he tells him, this is the plan. Person I kiss, that one, that one is Jesus. How devious, how evil of them. This would be one of the hardest slaps to the face that Jesus would take that night in that household. Not physically, but emotionally. This individual that Jesus poured his life into, who he spoke the words of truth, who, and not just spoke the word, but gave great application as they would sit together and eat together and as they would find places to sleep out in the open area and talking and could you imagine just hanging out with Jesus for a few years? Judas didn't. Could you imagine being with the creator of the universe? You think he had something to say? I think he did. And I think he knew the right things to say at the right time, the right way. The right way to communicate to Judas. Jesus knew Judas was from southern Judah. He knew how to speak to Judas. And I'm sure there was times where he's like, okay, Judas isn't getting it. Let me help him this way. Because Jesus was the perfect Savior. He was the perfect teacher. And in that moment, Judas comes and he kisses Jesus, not out of love, not out of appreciation. Thanks, Jesus, for this food. No, he kissed him and he betrayed him. 
gives us food to have, and that's why he has some beautiful people all over the place. And can I just ask you in just this moment, because I know without a doubt, none of you, even myself, will ever duplicate what Judas did. I know that. I get that. I'm not reading Judas and Sarah thinking, oh, I hope I never do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not saying I'm, I, I could never do that. I just know my heart right now. But I do know this, that Judas was on a path, and his path was a beautiful road. And on that path, you know, again, nobody wakes up and says, today I'm going to be a murderer, today I'm going to be an adulterer, today I'm going to ruin my life. No, you get on a path that takes you there. And it's this, this path over here that I think you and I need to ask ourselves and, and be challenged today and say, I hope I never, ever pretend to love Jesus. Because that's what Judas did. He was pretending to love Jesus. And see, I'm going to give you a kiss, but really, this is, I don't love you. I'm betraying you. I want something. I need money. I need it, and I'm not getting it from you. I thought you were going to provide the money. I thought you were going to take over this kingdom. I thought you were going to take out the Romans, and I would have a front seat for all the money now. But you're not doing any of it, so now I'm going to betray you with a kiss. He does that. He's pretending to love God. And that's why in the very beginning I shared with you, I hope you never walk into this room. I hope you never walk into a church and and any church. And I hope you never open up your Bible like, well, here I am, God. I hope you can tell me something today. Well, here I am. I'm going to pray. Thank you, Lord, for praying you here. And I'm being sarcastic, sorry. But I'm trying to make a point that I never want us to ever have an ounce of insincerity for Christ our Lord and Savior. But may all of our kisses have a complete devotion, complete love, complete commitment to Christ. I'm singing these songs today, and I tell you, it's a fight for me as a pastor because I'm thinking about today, and I'm, I'm thinking about where people are at, and I'm thinking about those thoughts coming to my mind, and I'm thinking about my sermon, and I've got to say, no, I'm here to worship the King of kings and the Lord of what more important thing, what more important truth is there than loving my God? There is nothing more important to know. There's no more important thing to think about than when Jeremy was sharing to think about, I'm with you because I'm there too. Jesus came chasing me. Sometimes those who have grown up in church, that's the hardest place because we think we're okay. Oh, I've been serving God a long time. I'm good. No need to do anything extra for the Lord. No grown up in church and I'm ready to go to supper today or fourth or sixth tomorrow. Glory to God. May we never be like Judas. And so Judas comes and kisses him on the cheek. And in that moment, they realize what's happening. The men are there to fight. And so his disciples, they're like, let's take him on. And Peter, he said, Lord, I, I'm never going to leave you. And so Peter had something to prove. He's like, okay, I'm going to prove my love. And I'm going to fight for Jesus. And he takes off the ring of the high priestly servant. And in that moment, which I would, I would assume greatly, there was a great scream. You know, somebody's ear getting sliced off. The guy's going to scream. You know, it's commotion, but I'm sure that the, the scream of this man's ear being sliced off was heard. It was in that moment that Jesus said, Enough! Enough! 
I believe in that moment, Jesus was declaring it's enough, and he was declaring it was enough from the moment we, Adam and Eve, stepped in the garden to the moment of today. And he was saying, it's enough. It's enough taking your problems into your hands. It's enough following what you wanted to do. Jesus had told his disciples, this is what's going to happen. They're going to arrest me, and they're going to crucify me, and I don't want you to take up a sword. What did Peter do? Ah, Lord, I know what you're saying, but i got to help you on this one. Jesus says, it's enough. Adam and Eve says, oh, we failed God. I know what to do. Let's hide. Abraham and Sarah, they got the promise that they're going to receive a child. And, and it wasn't happening. So Abraham and Sarah were like, okay, God's not working this out. We need to come up with our own plan. And she gives him her handmaiden, and then he has a child. And now today, a lot of our news is taken up because of that child fighting Abraham's child today. David, King Saul, and many kings after that, they all had their moments where they said, we're going to do this our way. And in that moment in that garden, Jesus was saying, it's enough. It's enough. I'm going to invite the band to come up at this time. It's enough. Jesus is telling us today that it's enough. Quit following your ways. And today when we read this story, you and I have the privilege now of reading the story and understanding things. We are now enlightened. We can now not repeat what Peter did, but we can say, Lord, help me not to be like that. Help me not to live my life where I'm taking my sword and I'm just swiping away. Here comes a problem. Here comes a problem. Here comes this person that annoys me. We're just slicing away. Jesus is saying, it's enough. It's done. Stop doing it your way. Follow me. Deny yourself. Lose your life so that you can find it in me. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to, band's going to lead us in a song of praise and worship. And I just pray that you would just spend some time loving God. Be like a child in His presence. We're not going to be like Judas. We're not going to face this. We're not going to pretend. We're not going to be like Peter. We're not going to be like anybody, but we're going to be like Jesus. Lord, I just pray that you would fill our hearts and fill our lives. We want to draw closer to you, Lord. We want to learn from the Bible. We don't want to repeat what we're seeing, but we want to learn.